chapter eleven of the ins and outs of paris or paris by day and night by julie de marguerite this librivox recording is in the public domain the louvre its kings courts and galleries the louvre how at this name the whole stirring times of the gorgeous romantic history of the middle ages of france rise up as one crosses its now silent courts leading the imposing procession comes francis i for whom pierre lescotte first designed these walls giving to france the finest specimen of what has now almost become a recognized order of architecture like any other and which partly copied from italy was called the renaissance the great titian too is said to have given his advice and suggestions to both architect and king later came with catherine de medici and henry the second all the italian sculptors painters and architects then too diane de poitiers the woman so lavishly endowed by nature with beauty talent intellect taste all in fact but the one great gift without which all others are as naught a womanly heart came with her counsels and directed the hand of the greatest sculptor france ever possessed jean goujon and in return for this patronage he has immortalized her in a statue as her namesake diana the chaste huntress and here as at fontainebleau are entwined in immortal arabesques the beloved cipher with the royal one of france then came francis the second and in these galleries the deep schemes of the guise the deadly hate of the huguenots and the catholics the jealousies of the perfidious catherine and the suspicions of the discontented nobles from the half-revolted provinces all grew and ripened whilst all these discordant elements were mixed in a continuous round of pleasure here too the lovely but unfortunate mary stuart passed the only happy period of her life her two years of royalty as queen of france the long galleries of the louvre with their floating plumes their soft music the diamond-hilted rapiers must have been the bright spot to which the poor queen looked back in her long years of exile and imprisonment then her pure first love for the young husband who leaving at twenty the throne of france died with the name of mary on his lips must have been the one oasis which that heart torn by contending passions remembered with holy reverence she seemed to feel the sad presentiment of her fate on leaving the shores of france which expresses itself in her plaintive farewell adieu plaisant pays de france ô oh, ma patrie la plus chérie qui a nourri ma jeune enfance adieu france adieu mes beaux jours next in the palace of the louvre appeared charles the ninth the modern orestes born with furies in his heart a type of the crimes and vices of a whole long long race what dark spectres waked him shuddering from the slumber you should have made so calm and so serene how pursued by some tormenting demon as this pale phantom of a king paced through the night these deserted and moonlit galleries under these windows flowed the blood of the huguenots on the terrible night of st bartholomew beneath these very windows was coligny the protestant hero born before the eyes of his perfidious king that window with the low iron balcony looking on the quay is the spot whence according to tradition charles fired upon his own people and it is no doubt pleasing to stand in the proud security of freedom and democracy under it and look defiance stop though this may indeed have been the spot but this is not the window for not only the window but this whole wing of the building 
was not built till many years after charles had been gathered to his ancestors the luxurious and effeminate henry the third followed with his minions and his little dogs still he has left posterity his contribution to the louvre that wing to the left as you stand looking towards the clock was the apartment of the great henri quatre then a poor but dreaded solicitor at the court of henry the third and there that strange compound of love and latin feminine caprice and manly courage of tender devotion and heartless debauchery marguerite de valois la reine margot kept her strange court where love was made in latin rendezvous in greek and the denouement in good french daggers and rapiers over the whole of this long line of royalty the spirit of catherine de medici seems to hover inspiring deeds of hatred perfidy and blood through the deep arches creeps the stealthy step of the astrologer and necroromancer confined for many months in one of those upper rooms gazing at the stars that presided at the birth of catherine as though the stars of heaven could direct such actions as catherine performed on earth but henry the fourth came at last he added one whole wing to the royal palace and begun what his son louis the thirteenth accomplished that long gallery which is what all foreigners come to see where the treasures of art of all nations and ages are collected and which has no rival but the pity palace at florence where stands the statue that enchants the world in the early part of the reign of louis the fourteenth anne of austria or rather mazarin with his italian tastes and instincts carried on the louvre con amore no less a personage than benini the architect of the circular porticoes of st peter's was sent for but after all the plans adopted in this portion of the palace were those of a physician claude perrault louis the fifteenth found the louvre ready-made to his hand he hated the clamorous noise and the dirt of paris and cared for neither art nor fame so the poor louvre one side of it was left without a roof till louis the sixteenth began to make plans and collect materials for finishing it which materials were taken stone after stone and brick after brick in the revolution and used by the people as missiles against the royal troops napoleon the great genius of activity carried the work of the louvre briskly on and in his gigantic plans intended that in the world no chef-d'oeuvre should be found anywhere but under its roof the galleries of the conquered continent were despoiled of all their best works and all was sent to paris but he fell before the louvre was finished the restored bourbons worked away at it and louis philippe did a good deal of frippery about it but it was left for napoleon the third to accomplish the work the pastime of so many dynasties and kings and ministers it now joins the palace of the tuileries and really may be said to be finished the jeering proverb applied to all thoroughly hopeless and impossible enterprises quand le louvre sera fini may be now said to have lost its meaning let us pause before we leave this inner court observe that the work of so many hands of so many generations is complete harmonious as though it had sprung all finished from one magic touch the true love of art has presided here no desire for individual distinction no joining of various tastes in various styles no individualities have been attempted by each succeeding artist the original idea of the original architects has been carried out and the exquisite keeping the proportion creates that calm solemnity of grandeur which is the distinctive feature of harmonious beauty
the courts of the louvre are not much frequented you can hear the measured tread of the sentinels at each gate and between four and five o'clock in the afternoon groups of men whose white neckcloths and rusty black clothes indicate them to be lawyers barristers and magistrates hurry across with bundles of papers under their arms from the palais de justice on the old ile saint louis to their various abodes by this gate you will catch a glimpse of one of the finest specimens of old saxon gothic architecture in paris the church of saint germain l'auxerrois it was considerably damaged by the revolutionists of july but has been repaired with great regard to the original style of architecture showing the characteristic good taste of the french this is the parish church of the palace of the tuileries but the last church-going queen marie amelie preferred the modern magnificence of saint roch and the courtier-like eloquence of its curé olivier the present bishop of evreux to the grey solemnity of these old walls without the gates of the louvre the victims of july lay for some time buried with pompous inscriptions but they were afterwards removed into the heart of the popular quartier whence probably they came and now rest under the column of july in the place de la bastille one more historical remembrance and then let us enter this famous gallery which all these kings and emperors have been building for us turn round to the right towards the quay there is a little garden enclosed within the gilded railing to this day it is called le jardin de l'infante the garden of the infanta though she who gave it that name is dead and crumbled into dust two centuries ago i doubt whether of the many thousands who pass it during the day there is one who knows the cause of its bearing the name it does here then two centuries ago was brought a young spanish princess who was selected by the cabinets of france and spain for the wife of louis the fifteenth she was a fair young creature a mere child and this garden was made for the sports of herself and her boy lover she lived here for some years until she grew to womanhood and louis became one of the most accomplished princes of his day but then just as the marriage was about to be solemnized politics suddenly changed and the infanta torn from her young lover was conducted solemnly back to spain louis the fifteenth probably never thought of her again but clara eugenia like a true spaniard turned from love to devotion and ended her broken-hearted life in a stern spanish convent it is said that a little drawing of this garden of the louvre hung constantly in her cell strange that time revolt and invasion which have destroyed so many marble palaces and raised fortresses to their very foundations should have spared this little spot of earth where the trees under which the infanta sported have grown into sturdy old oaks and where shrubs the offspring of the first planted have mingled in one tangled mass this memorial of the one pure passion of a corrupt age and a perverted king bears still the name love gave it and exists now as it did two centuries ago in all the simplicity of nature and now for the pictures for which tired perhaps of my dull lesson in history or careless about persons and events that can have no claims upon your democratic sympathies you have been impatiently waiting but i am not going to take you to the regular picture gallery tour and tell you of all the raphaels the titians the giorgionis or the lesseurs joseph vernes and david's the riberas murillos and velasquezes about which the connoisseurs of various countries are continually wrangling a picture gallery is a picture gallery whether it be at paris florence dresden or munich 
so far as concerns the pictures you will choose your school according to your taste of course you will pause at the belle ferronniere of titian marvelling at the artist and wondering at the taste of the king for those cold straight features scarcely seem to warrant the absorbing passion his last of the witty chivalric francis i then too those deep magic eyes that long wavy hair brown in the shade and golden in the sun of the Giconda, whoever she may have been whom giorgione has chained to the canvas breathing through centuries the reality of passion and intellect you cannot choose but pause and do reverent homage to her the pictures here are all of times and all countries but the true parisian features are to be noticed in everything around observe as you enter the polite swiss in the imperial livery of green and gold which has succeeded the scarlet and white of the two bourbons he almost apologizes for fulfilling the formality of looking at your passport he doesn't think it a bore to rise from his seat with a frenchman's national vanity he fancies at that moment that he represents la grande nation and is proud of doing the honours of the louvre to an englishman ah mais monsieur is an american an extra bow and a very hard look at your white skin ah monsieur vient de loin ah monsieur is from the glorious country of washington that monsieur may admire notre musée and he waves you up that grand imposing double staircase which seems large and wide enough to admit of a friendly meeting of the two nations on the landing how this magnificent staircase prepares you for the majestic far-extending gorgeous yet grand simplicity of the finest gallery in the world the arched ceiling so beautifully carved and gilded the pink marble entablature beneath the pictures the marble columns which here and there break the monotony of this long extent the polished oaken floor so bright that it reflects as in some dark lake the objects above and around it the proportions the harmony of the whole proclaim a monument created by generations of kings and immortal artists here again are our polite friends in the green and gold they civilly answer any question and show you any particular picture as you lean on the brass railing which separates you from the paintings these liveried guardians will most delicately insinuate the rules of the place one being against desecrating the polished floor with the juice of that weed for discovering which sir walter raleigh richly deserved the fate he got for some far less heinous offence they will tell you various anecdotes and of various proposed improvements but they will take nothing from you indeed as you may notice you get all your sights for nothing and as a foreigner you are privileged to come whenever you like we french must have a special permission or a public day of which there are many or a sunday to come to our own glorious gallery well we have no time for the pictures who would look at an inanimate canvas when there are pretty faces beaming with intelligence and life with large bright eyes looking up so becomingly and delicate white hands tracing so beautifully and so patiently the masterpieces on the walls paris is the paradise of women says the proverb but if it is and we do not deny it a woman's paradise does not consist in idleness for in no other country does woman find so much occupation or share in so many of the toils of life which produce independence now one of the favourite resources of the industrious is the art of drawing and painting girls are regularly educated for artists in france 
they have a happy knack or custom of learning to draw before they begin to paint unlike some countries where the brush comes first and the pencil never comes after and there are many distinguished painters among these female artists the patronage which the catholic church extends to the arts ensures full occupation to all who are capable for from the highest metropolitan cathedral to the humblest village chapel copies of the great pictures of saints and scriptural subjects are continually being ordered see how many of these fair artists are here particularly before the panels of the italian school young more of them under than over twenty so neatly dressed not a stain on the white manchette or the simple muslin dress so grave so silent so intent no gossiping or giggling so absorbed that they never turn from their work to idle after visitors these girls belong by their education to the higher middle classes of life they are daughters of government employés with small salaries of professional men often of artists for talent is frequently hereditary their ability does not frighten away suitors and as a wife the young artist will probably continue to minister to the comforts of her home if not to its necessities there is nothing masculine in any of these women who have not scorned to make use of those intellectual faculties which heaven has distributed in equal proportions to the male and the female they are modest graceful cheerful nay very women fond of dress and amusement quite as much so as their sisters of other countries who think it their first duty to be utterly useless to themselves and everybody else in every parisian counting-house the wife or daughter keeps the books and conducts the correspondence in the old mercantile houses such as those of the rue de la verrerie the quai voltaire has almost as many female as male engravers on steel and wood all the circulating libraries are kept by women and most of the country post-offices the great booksellers and publishers have some female member of their own family who courteous and willing will give you the intelligent information you may require as to any rare edition of old or new works such as no surly ignorant clerk would condescend to do the great printing establishment which prints the journal des débats belonged to and was under the personal superintendence of a woman madame lenormand woman in france is the helpmate the companion the friend as well as the wife and though it is the fashion to laugh at french domestic habits there is no country in the world where there are fewer unhappy marriages or where family ties are so much cherished and revered some of these young girls over whose easels you are now bending will perhaps marry artists it is more than probable for i see many of those bearded and moustached copyists looking by the by like models for their own pictures gazing very intently towards that young creature with her clear blue eyes her white forehead with the brown hair so tastily brushed up from it revealing the small pink ear and the blue veins of the temple well then they will have the happiest of earthly lots mutual love and congeniality of taste together with a thorough appreciation of each other's susceptibility and a complete understanding of all the hardships and difficulties of the career before them for which they both have sympathy and consolation but to return to our louvre over these old pictures when the time comes for the annual modern exhibition the pictures by the living artists will be placed so that for some three months the immortal works will be hidden to all by the contemporary candidates for immortality beneath us are the sculpture galleries the best works here are modern 
there was a time when the glories of ancient art were all assembled here in the days of the first napoleon but on his downfall the allies took each their own back again here was brought the belvidere apollo and here at the foot of the godlike statue stood bewildered and transfixed by its beauty the young daughter of one of the modern masters of french art the baron gros day after day she would come before this realization of her dreams and placing wreaths of fresh flowers on the pedestal sit for hours gazing on her idol until perhaps she fondly hoped some spark from her own burning bosom would endow the cold marble with love and life paler day by day grew her cheek and slighter the slight form that crushed at the feet of the inexorable unmoved majestic god until one day they found her with her head buried in her hands leaning against the pedestal cold pale and dead as the lover she adored was this madness it was called poetry romance at that time and poets have made this love their theme but some years later when the father full of honours wealth and power beloved and happy so said the world sprang into the waters of the seine they said as they laid him by his child that both the father and daughter had been mad who shall judge the father has left pictures which reveal endowments the excess of which might lead to madness whilst his child has left but a vague tradition of hopeless love to which even now her name is scarcely ever affixed the solemn grandeur of these walls the white immovability of these ghost-like statues the cold atmosphere which pervades this sculpture gallery an atmosphere peculiar to such places i know not why have made one quite melancholy and gloomy hark the guard of the tuileries is beating to arms let us go and see the representative into which the imperial dynasty has now firmly passed he is coming from the tuileries and after reviewing the last regiment of the new reinforcements for the crimea he is going accompanied by his empress to view the gigantic building and street improvements which he is carrying on in the heart of the city and especially to inspect the progress of a new model mechanics lodging-house erected according to his own plans and under his own immediate supervision this is a utilitarian age the valois and the bourbons built the palace and the galleries of the louvre the bonapartes build houses and workshops well one louvre is enough for the world but there are not half enough of houses and workshops End of chapter eleven